Grand rising, everyone. Now, welcome to live spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Yummo, so good. Okay, let's get started. All right, so uh, we were reading out of the Emerald Tablet, um, Alchemy for Personal Transformation. We were on Separate the Earth from Fire. Um, pretty powerful chapter and, and very important um, concept and um, way to understand the world in terms of a uh, worldview. We were talking about the clockwork, clockwork universe and the mechanistic universe and how the shift, hey Christina, how that, that needs to shift and change, okay, in order for us to actually transcend or for us to actually step into a new way of existence. So, um, let's see, it has been postulated that 5,000 or so years ago, mankind lived in unconscious communion with the gods and followed divine voices um, in times of novel or stressful situations, included the hermetic traditions attributed to the Egyptian, to Egypt in a series of induction techniques used to imprison spirits in lifeless statues to make them speak and prophesize. And nearly every ancient land had its own set of mysteries that included divine oracles. The ancients remembered um, what it was like before full consciousness dawned in man and believed that the mental world of thought and imagination was every bit as real as the physical world in which they found themselves. Um, with the breakdown of the divine connection, the one mind in man slowly split into duality of rational consciousness, although the archa archaic uh, ability to exist in both realms is said to have survived in a few genuine psychics and prophets. Our species' re uh, memory of that era is passed down in religious myths that describe mankind living in the presence of God or in earthly paradise, such as the Garden of Eden. Okay, um, I read this yesterday. Um, and so, as you can see, um, we still have individuals who are able to connect into the imaginal realm or the active imagination um and we call these people psychics all that kind of stuff so but we all have access to it um me i have you know the dream world my active imagination is big that's why i have such big visions for the world for life for what i'm up to now too much of that it can drive somebody mad um because we do live in a material world so again what i love about spiritual alchemy hey Robert, i don't know if you're still on here is to bridge the gap between the two. And I talked about the microcosm and the macrocosm. Um, and I believe that's where we left off yesterday was talking about the macrocosm and microcosm and also hinting to you guys that, yes, you guys get to look at what that means and understand that tarot, right, the cards of tarot, um, tarot itself um, gives us a clue or an idea of what and how to utilize the macro and microcosm. When we understand this, um, we start to heal in a different way. We start to magnify and um, we start to materialize um, also what it is we want to create in the material world. So it's a manifestation of the one mind and, and the one thing. And so how do we co-create with it? Really powerful stuff. Now... I was thinking this morning because, you know, people say not everybody should have this information. I even say that. And I'm like, maybe that's an egoic thing to say. That obviously 
who are we to say who and what or what people should have the information? Because then that says, well, I'm above you and I have every right to say, and I don't. The reality is people who want to come to this information will come to this information. People who want, really want to understand spiritual alchemy will actually do the work. It's not easy work, so it doesn't even matter anyway. Like they had initiates um, come to their orders and they had to go through certain things before they would get, you know, the mysteries or they would be taught the great mysteries. So the reality is, is yes, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. So it doesn't matter even if we talk about it. Some people will not hear it no matter what we say anyway. So it's for the individuals who literally are seeking the information, right? Good morning, GP man. Um, for the people that are seeking the information and really want to learn and understand how to utilize um, the esoteric wisdom. Now, you're always going to have the monkey mind. We're always going to have the reptilian brain, right? All of us have that in us and it could switch at any time. So it's a choice. And we don't have the uh, capacity or ability to force people into We could force people into choice, but that's like really, really bad. <laughs> Let's just say that doesn't happen as often in terms of force, 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 right? Um, for people. So it's a choice. We get to choose or not choose if we want to do this, okay? So the macrocosm and the microcosm. Um, let's see here. In the Garden of Mammon, we have lost respect for subject, uh, subjective thought, which is the only source of our connection with the powers of the above. According to the Doctrine of Correspondence in the Emerald Tablet, the structure and attributes of the macrocosm of the above are, are repeated in the micro microcosm of the below and vice versa one mind is reflected in our individual minds and the loss of esteem in which we hold our own thoughts was resulted in loss of connection in each of us with the higher one mind perhaps our thoughts have lost their intrinsic value because there are simply too many of them floating around and because nobody seems to care whether anyone's thoughts are inherently true or not in the modern era of marketing um um, mega, mega entertainment, media, politics, and competitive science. What matters is not the inherent truthfulness of an idea, but how innovative or lucrative it is, how much it can bring in. Uh, now, this is crazy, right? Because there's this show that's out, and I don't know if you guys have watched it. It's called Look Up. Um, I, As you know, I love movies. I'm a movie crazo. And the reason why is because it's easier for me to describe and explain this information through movies. People understand movies when they watch them. Um, but it's crazy because when you look at how uh, the world is today, when you look at politics, it's like that, right? It doesn't matter what's true. Um, you know, it's just how, how innovative it is and how much money it can bring in. And that, I mean, that movie is a prime example. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched it. GP Man, have you watched it? Uh, Christina, if you're still on here, have you watched it? You know, have you guys seen the movie? If not, watch it. Um, and the reason why is because that's exactly what it's telling us. How innovative are you? It doesn't matter if it works or doesn't work um, as long as it brings in the money. And the money becomes the, you know, the God, right? Everybody chasing money. I'm not saying we don't need money, but the reality is that becomes like the God. And then what ends up happening is that innovation fails us in some way. Well, we need innovation too. It's not that we don't need it. But if you watch the movie, you'll see why I'm saying that. That sometimes we need the science. So it's a both and. 
We need a both end. It's not either or, right? We do need the active imagination, but we also need to be able to apply it and know that it's not going to cause harm. So there's that when science comes in, it's really testing our alchemy. And I'm not talking about alchemy in terms of like chemistry and all that stuff. It could be that, right? Because it did come from that. Good morning, Laurel. It's us really tapping into ourselves and saying, is this serving my life or not? Because we can do so, so much damage with this information in our families. And that's not really, there's a way to create a win-win situation. There's a way to create a both and. There's a way that we can utilize this work without totally demolishing every relationship we have in our life. You can, trust me. People learn this information um, or they do transformational work and they sever relationships. People leave marriages. I mean, things happen when you start to dive into this work. It's not easy. It's not like you get this work and everything gets better. It's like you untangle everything so that you can recreate something different. So it becomes really hard to go through the process. And it's because we're integrating the the uncomfortable things in our life, right? I, so I was talking to a friend and I kind of want to talk about this. I think it's important. I was talking to a friend the other day and he was talking about, you know, what nobody needs to be fixed. He said, and I don't feel like I have anything to contribute because I'm tired of people talking about, oh, you need to be fixed. Oh, here's another process because you're broken. How about people just exist and know that everything is going to resolve itself because that's the way the universe works? I said, yes, absolutely. I said, that's not what I teach, though. It's because we have been taught that we we can't look at the the dark, the gross, the they call it the gross matter. Um, and we've been taught that it's wrong. You know, don't be angry. Don't be mad. Don't. So it's not really that we're saying you need to be fixed. What I'm saying is you need to reintegrate. You need to reestablish. You need to reconnect to those parts of yourself. And if you don't, that's fine too, but there's a result to it. But if you want to transcend, people are like, I want to hit higher dimensions and this and that, but they're not willing to actually go through the work. They just want to take a magic pill and, and expect it to happen. And I'm not saying that you can't. They're psychedelics. But really, you can connect to the one mind without doing all of that stuff. And that's a reintegration of all this uncomfortable shit that we have to go through. It's not comfortable. I'm not going to speak lies here and say that it's all roses and beautiful. That's not true. <laughs> it's, it's very hard. And sometimes we have to go through the darkness. And the darkness then helps us to reintegrate. And that's the imaginal world too, where we, we go into this dark space, the womb, right? Where everything and nothing exists right i'm beautiful yes you are <laughs> you are absolutely beautiful um and so when we do that um we start to um, understand how to co-create so but what they're talking about here right um it's the the innovation and us being focused on um innovation and bringing in the money more than anything else. So watch that movie. I think it's a great movie for you guys to watch. Okay, so in the commercialized arena for thoughts, um, it is not surprising that most of us view our internal mental world as inferior to the outside reality. We tend to think that imagination is the same as fantasy, that dreams are just um, image 
soup, that visions are psychotic, that myths and legends are just tall tales, and that our thoughts have no effect on reality. Most of us really believe that the best use that we can make that can be made of the power of thinking is uh, to plot, to gain the upper hand, to make more money, to garner more esteem, and to get the edge over someone else in the rat race. And we see that today. So if you watch that movie, it really explains it. And it talks about the politics and understanding it. So having the one up, all that stuff. Really, it's about reconnecting and reestablishing our connection to the active imagination. Reintegration. Remembering, reminding ourselves, Letting ourselves remember that that piece of us is just as real as reality. There is a physiological connection between the two. It has an impact on us physiologically, right? So if we wanted to go into how it works in the material world, if you, again, I talked about this the other day, if you have a dream, let's say you have a dream and you dream about your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, cheated on you. And that's a dream. And you wake up and you're pissed at them. It didn't even happen in reality, but literally there's a physiological impact on the body. And then you start to engage life because of that thought. And that thought then becomes something more. You're engaging in the world as though it's a reality, as though it's real. And so it has some sort of impact on the way that you maneuver. And who knows what you're creating, what you're magnetizing to yourself based on your thoughts. Now we know this, right? We know that thoughts create. And you hear this over and over again. This is nothing new. I'm not saying anything new, but a way to understand how to transform it. That we take those thoughts and learn to transform them because the thought's going to happen anyway. The physiological happening is going to happen. So where is it coming from, right? And what they used to do in the past is be able to analyze those dreams and be able, now you're crazy, right? You have that dream, but that dream might be telling you something about yourself, but you're crazy. You're not crazy. See, you're not. That's the point. The point is those voices that you hear in your head that don't make you crazy. What they're doing is they're giving you some kind of a, a understanding internally. It's like your internal body's talking to you, like the cells in your body, right? We're a universe. Our entire body is a universe and it communicates to us. And so we just listen to it. Well, if you're having these thoughts in your head, well, where, where are they coming from? Where, how are we connecting to it? What does it mean for us? And how is it impacting the way that we engage with other people? So our thoughts then co-create with the existence of reality or of this three-dimensional time space. And we navigate through it. And as we navigate through it, there's an impact on everything we touch as a result. So thoughts do create. Now we know this. So transmuting it is allowing ourselves to honor it and not pretend it doesn't exist and call ourselves crazy and then just throw it in the back burner because our subconscious mind and our unconscious mind is trying to communicate with us. It's telling us something. But we don't listen to ourselves, right? We just shut ourselves up and we say we're crazy and shut up. And then the voices get stronger, stronger, stronger. Before you know it, you lose your shit. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do sometimes. <laughs> just lose my shit. I'm like, oh, I better get this out so that I can move on and transmute the energy. And there's different practices, again, you can use to do that. So the active imagination, our dreams, all those things are amazing and they're important. 
and the myths and the legends were important. So we created gods and this is why gods were created. Um, we call them archetypes now. Now you can call them what you want. We call them angels. We call them all kinds of different things. There's all these words for it, right? Hope all is well. Hey, Angie, how are you? Um, and so we have all these names for these archetypal energies. Those energies that are consolated are come with, come to us. We're given gods. Why? Because we can't hold all that energy that comes from the unconscious mind. The unconscious is so vast. And we need to give it a place to exist and to process. We used to process our information through gods. That's really all they were. People fear it. Like, oh, don't. We started to idolize them. Okay, well, maybe we took it a little too far, right? Maybe we went too extreme on the God front, but we utilize those myths and the, the myths of the gods to help us to understand who we are in the process of this world. How do we, how do we get through a situation? And it helped us to be able to move through situations. That's what it was for. And that's what myth does even today. You can still, if you looked at your life and you looked at your personality, you could still tie it to a myth from the past. And the cool thing about doing that, right, is if you looked at like these gods and you're like, wow, you know, this is maybe Aphrodite or um, this is, um, I'm going to go through like the Greek gods, right? Or the archetypes of Buddha and all that stuff. They're archetypes as well. They show up as an energy force. Like, you look at these archetypes or these energies that show up and you're like, wow, I can relate to this. Now, what happens during the myth? Now, it may not play out exactly the same way, but now you have an idea of what's to come when you understand the myth, because you're just going through the same sort of archetypal patterning. You're going through the myth mythological, you're a hero on a journey and your journey has some relate. It relates to some of these past historical myths. That's why they had the myths to help people transition into the next phase of their life. That's what myths were designed to do. Myths were designed to help us to process the information that was coming into us. They got rid of myths. They said, no, and, and here's, and this is not to make uh, Christianity right, wrong, good, or bad, because um, Christ consciousness is an archetype as well. And people can play into that particular archetype or energy pattern as well. But what they said is, don't look at all these other gods because they, they, they're not true. Look at only one. And now we've put it all into one, one thing. And the reality is, is there's multiple ways that we experience the world. So when you go back to mythology, really what it does is it helps us to process. It's like, okay, this, uh, you know, Aphrodite is showing up. Venus is showing up for me. Well, what does Venus say? What is her myth story? Or uh, we could say Narcissus. He was a, a mythological character. Dionysus. I mean, this is all the Greek pantheon, but we can look at these gods, quote unquote, gods that they created, which are really myth stories of a hero's journey. We are the hero on the journey. And we embody some of these characteristics of these quote unquote gods or archetypes or whatever you want to call them. And that energy that exudes within us is talking to us. It's teaching us a lesson. It's taking us on a journey. Now, in the past, we used to journey. That's what all they, that's what they did. The Native Americans went on journeys. What were these journeys? They were, they were uh, talking about uh, these different archetypal energies that were showing up and how, how to work through it. And then they went through initiations and rites of passage. And all those rites of passage help people to process that storyline and move through it. 
I mean, it was, it's, it's that simple, but not that simple, right? So you yourself can look at your life and do a little search, a Google search, and just say, like, kind of what's going on in your life? What archetypal energy does this or what myth character exists or what God kind of has these similarities? And then you can read it and you're going to freak out how much it applies to your life. You're going to be like, holy shit, I'm, I'm totally going through this energy pattern. You can even call it an energy pattern. You're going through that energy pattern and then you're like, oh shit, this is what comes next. So in order for me to get through this process, I need to sort of go through this process. And I need to help myself get through here. And that's how we journey. We journey through the myth, through the storyline. Uh, what is it? Uh, so you have the power to do that. So I would ask myself, right, what myth, character, hero's journey exactly? Yeah, it's, it is a hero's journey. Um, but I wasn't talking about the hero's journey, but it is. <laughs> I was just talking more about, and it is the hero's journey. Um, but I was talking about how they've taken out the gods and goddesses from, from, uh, you sound like you're loaded with a cold. It's not a cold. I have allergies. <laughs> I'm totally allergic to something here in my room and I, um, it just triggers. Uh, yeah, uh, it just triggers. And then I go on live and then all of a sudden when I'm live, I don't have tissue around me and I'm like, okay, well. So just go with it. Just do the life thing that I can do. <laughs> go with it. That's that's the beauty of doing live. It's just there's uncensored. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have allergies. Yeah, it's okay. No worries. It's just allergies. It's I'm allergic to something in this area. I don't know if it's a tree outside or something. And I'm usually not allergic to anything. I know, so I'm like uh sniffles <laughs> right now. What I need is a tissue, so I wish I could just like Oh, manifested in my brain it just falls on my lap that would be marvelous but anywho anyway I'm almost done because I have a, an appointment to get to but um I'm talking about reintroducing re um in, introducing the gods and the pantheon of gods into our existence not the godhead right people freak out oh my god and and that's you know um blasphemy or that's whatever it is I'm not saying idolize the gods. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying utilize the myth story. You don't even have to call it gods. You can call them archetypes. Reintegrate that back into your life and you are able to process what you're going through a lot easier. It gives you a place to allow yourself to move through the process a lot easier. So start to look at that, right? Look at the every culture before colonization had a pantheon of gods. And really all what they were doing is trying, again, to describe what type of energy pattern they were going through. They were having an experience and they didn't know where to place it. They created this beautiful storylines. And that's why you had the storytellers, right? The storytellers would tell the myth. And the kids, when they felt like they were going through a certain myth, understood what process they needed to do to get, get through it. They understood what her their hero's journey was. They okay, now I'm going to be initiate initiated into this, right? Shamans had a journey. That was an archetypal energy. They were able to speak to all of the pantheon of energies that were surrounding. They knew what was coming up. They could see what archetypal energy might be possessed in one person and help them to move through it. So we, as a society, get to reintegrate that. And once we do. 
we can start to work with the energy, right? So that we can heal. Really, it's about healing. That's what it is. Okay. So the reintegration. So as we reintegrate, um, and then we, we allow ourselves to go through the process, then we start to heal. And once we start to heal, we start to release the generational curses and all that stuff that's going on. We change our DNA, RNA, because physiologically we release the trauma. Okay. And that's the piece that's important. All right. So I'm going to leave it there because I have an appointment um, right now. I'm a minute late, but that's okay. I love you guys. So I will talk to you guys tomorrow. We're going to continue on this journey. I love you. Love you. Love you. Have a most magical day ever. And of course I will be seeing you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you, Angie. <laughs>